Big news from the MedVed Show. We just added a 50% off opportunity to an annual basic MedHead subscription. That makes it $29.95 a year. It breaks out to just $2.50 per month. Promo code MEDHEAD. Go to michaelmedved.com and promo code MEDHEAD. And now, your daily dose of debate, breaking news, and uncensored views. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week in this greatest nation on God's green earth. Though the weekend did not bring only great news, it brought some terrible news. The death of uh, three uh, American military personnel, they have now just identified them. They're all from Georgia, interestingly, ranging in age from 46 years old to 23 years old. They gave their lives for their country, Uh, not, by the way, as uh, the White House press secretary horribly suggested that they were fighting on behalf of this administration. They're fighting on behalf of America, not this administration, not Republicans, not Democrats. They're fighting on behalf of our country. Uh, There are over 34 other members of the American military who were um, badly wounded and uh, some of them with those terrible brain injuries that uh, are part of what the cost has been of these 150 attacks by Iran related militias uh, what is the administration going to do about this there is virtual unanimity among Republicans, among Democrats, among everyone who's looking at the situation, that the United States has to do something, and has to do something very different. Uh, a full-out war against Iran, uh, the administration says they don't want that. If that uh, ends up being the only alternative that would stop these attacks, these fatal and deadly attacks, there's also a, a, an account And we will keep you up to date as the information comes out on this, that part of what happened with this particular attack was that uh, our forces mixed up uh, the enemy and friendly drones. And so because they had perceived that the drone that did this terrible damage was a friendly drone somehow, they, they didn't knock it down. Uh, we will get to that and much more. We'll be speaking to uh, Dr. Mark Esper, the former Defense Secretary of the United States, who dealt with this kind of attack. He's also going to talk about Navy recruitment and the crisis with Navy recruitment. Actually, the only two branches of the service that have reached uh, their recruiting goals have been uh, the Marine Corps, Uh, and the Space Force. The Space Force is tiny, of course. But uh, again, we have a crisis in recruiting. Now, part of that is good news. Part of it is good news because we have a superfluity of a lot of jobs out there that are available to people. And usually it's much easier to recruit when we have a less robust economy, when things are are not providing other jobs for people and so they they think about recruiting the other problem with the recruiting is uh, people who just aren't qualifying because they haven't graduated from high school 
and uh, or gotten their GEDs, which can also get you into the military. So they're now trying a different scheme with that. We'll talk about that with Dr. Mark Esper. We'll also be speaking with Ilan Berman about what a strike would look like uh, at Iran. He has lived and worked in Iran and written about the kind of threat that the Iranians represent for the United States of America. Uh, We'll be speaking to Ilan Berman and we'll also be speaking with Juan Williams on border security and uh, border security and, and also the selection of a vice presidential nominee uh, for, well, for President Trump if he wins the nomination, which looks increasingly likely according to most prognostications, uh, but also uh, the idea of a, a vice presidential nominee for President Biden. Uh, Juan Williams of Fox News seems to think that it is a done deal, that it's definitely going to be Kamala Harris. There is more and more speculation of changing that. The three U.S. soldiers who were killed in the drone attack on a, a U.S. military outpost in Jordan. And Jordan, of course, of all of the nations in that part of the world other than Israel, Uh, Jordan is the nation with the warmest relations, the most positive relations with the United States of America, and uh, the one nation that least would have deserved this kind of attack on their territory. Apparently, the U.S. military outpost, Tower 22, as it was referred to, is uh, was on the border with Syria. The three U.S. soldiers who were killed in the drone attack uh, were identified today as Sergeant William Rivers, 46, of Carrollton, Georgia, a Specialist Kennedy Sanders, 24, of Waycross, Georgia, and Specialist Brianna Moffat of Savannah, Georgia, that according to the Defense Department. Uh, they were all assigned to the 718th Engineer Company, a U.S. Army Reserve Unit, based out of Fort Moore, Georgia. Pentagon Deputy Press Secretary Sabrina Singh uh, said at a briefing. Uh, uh, this um, is a, an incredibly serious matter, uh, partially because it brings us close to why uh, there is such an urgent need to stop any nuclear program by Iran. If Iran is supporting this kind of attack with, uh, with drones and with missiles, imagine if they really did have nuclear power. Uh, if they really did have uh, nuclear weapons that could devastate uh, the people against whom they are being used. The attack happened, uh, writes the New York Times, at a remote logistics outpost in northeast Jordan called Tower 22 along the country's shared borders with Syria and Iraq. The one-way attack drone hit near the outpost's living quarters, uh, causing injuries that ranged from minor cuts to brain trauma, a U.S. military official said. But the deaths of U.S. service members, most of whom were military reservists, will almost certainly increase pressure on President Biden to retaliate more forcefully as strife grows in the Middle East after the October 7th attacks 
that killed 1,200 people in Israel. By the way, what one of the things that that truly disturbs me is the tendency in the press always to say that this is somehow related to uh, Israel's fight with Hamas. It's related only because the uh, evil forces of Hamas and Hezbollah and the other Iranian uh, militias have common support from Iran. But no one uh, can believe that somehow if there is a a ceasefire uh, and the hostages, please God, finally get to come home or their bodies get to come home, that that, uh, suddenly these that would mean that we have nothing else to worry about, about Houthis and uh, Iranian militias elsewhere. Uh, Defense Secretary... Lloyd J. Austin III uh, also held Iran-backed militias responsible for the continued attacks against U.S. troops in the region. The president and I will not tolerate attacks on American forces, and we will take all the necessary actions to defend the United States, our troops, and our interests, Secretary Austin said. He apparently is back uh, from the hospital recovering uh, from his prostate uh, cancer diagnosis. Uh, We will be speaking coming up to uh, Ilan Berman about what uh, the future is going to bring here. There's also more bad news, and the bad news is the failure of a border bill, which everybody had assumed was actually going to tighten security at the border. Not make it perfect, but improve it. So why is it being defeated? Why is it not being blocked? Uh, We will get there. Uh, It's really the work of one individual. Uh, Which one? Uh, I bet you can figure it out. We'll be right back on the Medved Show. Big news from the Medved Show. We just added a 50% off opportunity to an annual basic MedHead subscription. That makes it $29.95 a year. It breaks out to just $2.50 per month. Promo code MEDHEAD. Go to michaelmedved.com and promo code MEDHEAD. Michael Medved show. Uh, there is a terrific editorial today in uh, the Wall Street Journal about the need for the administration to respond and to respond very differently from the way that it's handled the problem of Iran in uh, the immediate past. Uh, they write in the journal. Uh, it was bound to happen eventually, as President Biden was warned repeatedly. A drone or missile launched by Iran's militia proxies would elude U.S. defenses and kill American soldiers. That's what happened Sunday. As three Americans were killed and 25 wounded, they're now saying there were 40 who were wounded, at a U.S. base in Jordan near the Syrian border. The question now is, what will the commander-in-chief do about it? The sorry truth is that these casualties are the result of the administration's policy choices. Mr. Biden has tolerated more than 150 Iranian proxy attacks on U.S. forces 
in the Middle East since October. Only occasionally has he or the administration registered more than rhetorical displeasure by retaliating militarily, and only then with limited airstrikes. Mr. Biden vowed on Sunday to hold all those responsible to account at a time and in a manner of our choosing, though that stock line rings increasingly hollow. He has no choice now other than to approve strikes and retaliation, but targeting the responsible militia is insufficient. Mr. Biden and the Pentagon are playing Mideast whack-a-mole. Everyone knows that the real orchestrator of these attacks is Iran. But the president has put his anxieties about upsetting Iran and risking escalation above his duty to defend U.S. soldiers abroad. It would have been more honest if a sign of weakness to withdraw American troops uh, from the region rather than consign them to catching Iranian droves for months. 150 attacks that they've had so far. Uh, on American forces in uh, the Middle East. The uh, necessary steps that have to be taken, uh, they write in the journal, that probably includes hitting Iranian military or commercial assets. There are certainly risks of escalation from doing so, but Iran and its proxies are already escalating. And they have no incentive to stop unless they know their own forces are at risk. Here's one idea. Put the Iranian ship that has been prowling the Red Sea, the spy ship, on the ocean floor. The alternative is a growing American body count. Iran's clients in Yemen are continuing to fire at U.S. warships in the Red Sea while holding a vital shipping lane hostage. U.S. destroyers have managed to intercept Houthi volleys in a testament to American weapons technology and military professionalism. But eventually, a drone or missile could elude U.S. defenses and sink a U.S. warship. Uh, Mr. Biden has spent months fretting about a broader regional war without confronting the reality that the U.S. is already in one. The result is that U.S. deterrence has collapsed in this region and Americans are dying. Mr. Biden's repeated displays of weakness are inviting more attacks. In the 1970s, Iran helped to ruin Jimmy Carter's presidency by seizing hostages. Mr. Biden should worry that it will also take down his presidency if he won't respond with enough force that the mullahs get the message. And by the way, this is why uh, there's a, a difference between using this as a political cudgel and actually using this to try to rally the country together. Uh, that's why things like saying that, uh, as the uh, White House press secretary said, that these people who died were fighting for the administration, really, really, uh, we can do better. Uh, meanwhile, the um, collapse of a border bill that would have made things actually better and the collapse of the border bill because uh, John uh, because uh, Donald Trump uh, is is opposed to it and basically is afraid that it, that uh, Joe Biden would get the credit for it if if you're talking about a real crisis on the border and we are uh, 
and the Biden administration has now acknowledged that, uh, again, you can still use it to talk about all their political failures in the first three years of his administration. But uh, the idea that you're going to do nothing so that you can score political points. One terrific Republican who I greatly admire, Senator James Langford of Oklahoma, he has been the chief negotiator in the Senate border security talks between Democrats and Republicans. But the Oklahoma Republican Party approved a resolution this weekend condemning their own fellow Republican, Senator James Langsford, the resolution, a copy of which was posted on X, formerly Twitter, by uh, State Senator Dusty Devers. That, by the way, is the same senator with a very memorable name, Dusty Devers, who put together the bill we talked about that would have made sexy selfies illegal, uh, would have had a government crackdown on any kind of... Um, private porn that wasn't between married people uh, and probably not a, a super enforceable bill but in any event Dusty Devers took time from being worried about sexy selfies to say that Senator Langford is playing fast and loose with Democrats on our border policy that not only disfranchises legal immigrants seeking citizenship, but it also puts the safety and security of Americans in great danger. Uh, this is un unreal. Uh, authorizing several thousand people to invade our borders before any action can be taken is contrary to the oath that Senator Langford took to the Constitution and therefore for outside the area that he is authorized to negotiate in. Uh, basically, people who are serious immigration hardliners are amazed that that this bill is being blocked when it would actually improve the situation. Uh, can we play some of uh, Senator Langford uh, actually talking about the need, uh, the need to actually go forward with this compromise? And he deserves credit for not blame, not censure by the Republican Party. Uh, meanwhile, we're going to be speaking to Elon Berman about the two wars and a drone attack. Uh, yes, the war in Ukraine, where he's also a specter, uh, uh, an expert. Elon uh, is the senior vice president of the American Foreign Policy Council in Washington and an expert on regional security in the Middle East, Central Asia, and yes, the Russian Federation. He's con uh, consulted with the CIA as well as the U.S. Departments of State and Defense. Um, what next and what kind of strike back deterrence could President Biden authorize against Iran? Should he authorize against Iran? We'll get to that and more coming up. Michael Medved show a uh, pleasure to welcome to the show though the circumstances could be better obviously for our country uh, Elon Berman 
He is Senior Vice President of the American Foreign Policy Council in Washington, D.C. He has consulted uh, for the Central Intelligence Agency as well as the U.S. Departments of State and Defense. And he's also provided assistance on foreign policy and national security issues to a range of government agencies. Ilan, um, I'm, I'm sure you've heard some of the statements, particularly by Republicans in Congress. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas, a Republican, said the only answer to these attacks must be devastating military retaliation against Iran's terrorist forces, both in Iran and across the Middle East. Anything less will confirm Joe Biden as a coward unworthy of being commander-in-chief. Do you think that Senator Cotton has a point there? Yes, I I think so, up to a point. Um, Look, I I think the Biden administration is in uh, quite a pickle, and it's a problem uh, largely of its own making because the administration has been really leery, uh, particularly because it's an election year uh, and it's concerned about foreign entanglements, of acting resolutely in response to Iranian provocations, provocations by Iran itself and also provocations by Iranian-sponsored proxy forces. And as a result, this is has been interpreted as weakness, which has uh, invited further aggression, right? And you sort of see this playing out in the Red Sea. You see this playing out in, in terms of the toothlessness of the security arrangements that the Biden administration has attempted to erect to deter the Houthi rebels in Yemen. But it's not just there. It's uh, all over the region, uh, you know, hun- uh, over 150 attacks against U.S. troops um, uh, in the last, uh, since the start of the year. And this is really right. Uh, What happened over the weekend, the the tragic uh, attack that killed three servicemen, uh, injured 34 others. This was only a matter of time, because as Iran's Houthis uh, become bolder, so do other rebels. As the Iranian regime gets bolder, so do its proxies. And as a result, uh, we're in this really dangerous spiral of escalation. And the only thing that can interrupt it, the only circuit breaker that you can throw, is to show to the proxies and to the regime itself that there are devastating consequences. And what would those consequences look like? Would it be, uh, we, we presumably, and we've talked about this before, uh, know where they're development of nuclear weapons is going on and continues to go on. Would it be a strike against that, against economic targets or just other conventional military targets? So I I think it's it's, uh, the last. I think it's conventional military targets. And the way I see it, and uh, I have no idea whether the administration's logic is following the same course, but the way I see it, this is a three-step process. The first step is to target uh, proxies like the Houthis, right, the low-hanging fruit, because these are uh, powerful militias, but they're not powerful compared to the United States. And, you know, we can reach out and touch them precisely the way we did with uh, Qasem Soleimani uh, three years ago. Um, So decapitation strikes uh, against uh, Iranian proxies uh, in the region. The second step, if that doesn't work, if that doesn't change, uh, materially change regime behavior, is to target elements of the IRGC, the Iranian clerical army, which serves as the connective tissue between the Iranian regime and uh, those proxy forces, right? And you're, you're getting a step closer to Tehran. And after that, 
we have to evaluate whether we want to strike out at the regime directly. But my sense is, and you're absolutely right to flag the Iranian nuclear program, uh, my sense is that what we're talking about is conventional military targets. The problem of Iran's uh, persistent drive towards a nuclear capability is something else entirely. And it's something that we're going to have to deal with completely separate from the current problem. And uh, but it, it clearly does have to uh, be dealt with. The the Iranian regime has had uh, a great deal of public protest aimed against it. Uh, I, I've read many, many reports, uh, particularly by the Gareks, who, who, as you know, write about Iran and what is going on there domestically. Uh, there is a, uh, I, I think, some desire by the administration not to create a rally around the flag atmosphere that would actually make the regime more popular at home. Can that be managed? I, I think so. And, and, you know, my answer to that question is, is different now than it wa- would have been a year ago or two years ago, because what you've really seen in the last uh, 12 months or so, uh, maybe a little bit longer, has been this, uh, that the Iranian regime and the Iranian people have crossed a Rubicon of sorts. Uh, the type of discontent with the Iranian regime that you see on the street right now is dramatically larger and dramatically more widespread than what we've seen in the past. And, and you know, this is not just because of the September uh, 2022 uh, killing of uh, Masa Amini, the uh, Kurdish Iranian uh, women, uh, female activist, but that was the catalyst, right? That was the straw that broke the camel's back. And so what you see is this broad-based uh, opposition to the ruling regime in a way that my sense is that if the regime gets its come up and from the United States, if uh, regime assets and regime equities are targeted, uh, one thing that we really don't have to worry about nearly as much as we did before was the idea that the Iranian people would actually feel sorry for it and come to its defense. I know one of the uh, impressions that uh, you find in the media, and, and I was just inveighing against it on the air, uh, is the idea that this is really part of the larger war between Israel and Hamas. Uh, as somebody who knows the geopolitics of what is going on in the Middle East right now, even if we did have some kind of extended ceasefire, even if we did have a return of the hostages, would that take care of uh, all the problems with the uh, Hezbollah and uh, the Houthis? and other Iranian militias? No, no, listen, I, I, I don't think at all, and I, I think people that, that are making that case are really conflating, uh, conflating symptoms and disease, right? The problem, the core problem in the region that we're looking at is the fact that the Iranian regime, deeply ideological, deeply radical, deeply anti-American, has built a series of asymmetric levers by which it can squeeze the United States and American allies and American equities in the region. Uh, the current war between Israel uh, and Hamas in the Gaza Strip is a pretext for Iran to do that. It gives Iran an outlet to activate these forces. But make no mistake, if, the, if there was a ceasefire tomorrow, uh, if the war simmered down, uh, the Iranians would look for additional provocations. 
and they would look for additional opportunities to puncture the perceived invulnerability of the United States. I think they're doing a very good job of that at the moment. And uh, as a result, what you have is a situation where America's Middle East policy is really manifestly bankrupt currently, and our deterrence potential in the region is very flimsy. And that, that's beginning to impact the, the stability of our alliances, not only with Israel, but also with other countries in the region. And so the first order of business here has to be to reset deterrence. And the way we do that is to show the Iranian regime and, and the proxies that rely on it that there really are devastating consequences to what they're doing. And let those consequences be swift, devastating, effective, and appropriately proportional. Um, it, uh, Ilan Berman, his pieces are on our site uh, and uh, at michaelmedved.com. Uh, meanwhile, uh, President Trump says this never would have happened this attack if he were president not even a chance says the former president does that have any truth to it is it a wise thing to say in uh, this particular moment we will get to that and more coming up on the medved show ding 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 get 50 percent off by becoming an annual medhead member nice join at michaelmedved.com real President uh, Trump uh, could not resist uh, offering commentary on his Truth uh, Social social media platform, and uh, President Trump declared this attack, meaning the attack that claimed the lives of three reservists from Georgia, in uh, to, to claim the lives for uh, Iranian-backed militias. This attack would never have happened, said President Trump, if I was president, not even a chance. Just like the Iranian-backed Hamas attack on Israel would never have happened, uh, the war in Ukraine would never have happened, and we would right now have peace throughout the world. Instead, we are on the brink of World War III. Uh, I, the one thing that... that one can think of about something like this. I mean, the New York Times, in quoting that uh, that passage from Truth Social, uh, they uh, point out, in fact, Iran and its proxies did attack America and allied interests frequently during Mr. Trump's presidency. And at one point, Mr. Trump called off a retaliatory strike that he deemed excessive. He did later order a strike that killed a top Iranian general, that was General Soleimani, but uh, when Iran responded with missile strikes that injured but did not kill American troops, Mr. Trump ordered no further action. Uh, okay, uh, the difficulty here is you can't avoid, at a, at a moment like this, thinking of the families and the loved ones of uh, the people who were killed and to to have the former president saying this never would have happened if I had been president to bring it down to politics 
And this came right after another highlight of President Trump's weekend, which is uh, recorded on tape. He, on Saturday, uh, he compared himself again, as he likes to, to Abraham Lincoln. And (laughs) that uh, prompted laughter, apparently, from the audience at his rally in Nevada. Uh, The former uh, president delivered his remarks to a Team Trump Nevada commit to caucus rally in Las Vegas where he said he should be listed number one on a list of presidents who were treated the worst. He even specifically mentioned beating Abraham Lincoln for that top spot. It, uh, it actually sounded like this. People say, how do you do it, sir? How do you do it? I get two questions. If you had it to do again, would you do it? Because, you know, in history, they say the president that was treated the worst was Abraham Lincoln, but he had the Civil War, you know, so he had a little Civil War going. Abraham Lincoln and Jackson was treated very badly and a couple of others were treated. Andrew Jackson, he was treated very badly and a few others. And I haven't seen the new list, but if I'm not number one over Abraham Lincoln, I will be very disappointed because I don't believe any president's ever been. He'll be very disappointed to see that he he was uniquely treated badly. By the way, one of the things that uh, Abraham Lincoln had in common with Andrew Jackson Uh, was not the issue of slavery. Lincoln (laughs) knew that slavery was evil and was opposed to the existence of the institution and particularly its spreading. Andrew Jackson was not. He was a slave owner. But Andrew Jackson was a two-term president. He won re-election by a landslide when he was uh, running uh, against uh, Henry Clay. And I, I, again, to say that he was treated badly when he was enormously popular. And by the way, something else is pretty c- contrasting between Jackson and, uh, and President Trump. Uh, President Trump, as everybody knows, added about $8 trillion to our deficit, right? To our debt, not to our deficit, to our long-term national debt, $8 trillion. Andrew Jackson was the only president, and the last president we had, and let's hope he's not the only one, to pay off the national debt. He did that, and by the way, and it helped to bring the recession of 1837, but that's different. But again, comparing himself to Lincoln, who was also a second-term president, uh, and, and again, when you... Th- talk about being treated badly uh, Andrew Jackson toward the end of his term had a an unemployed house painter who uh, approached the president when he was returning from a funeral in the Capitol building and fired two uh, pistols at him and they both misfired it was considered it's one of those acts of providence that I write about in the American Miracle and no, the president wasn't killed. Lincoln was killed. Reagan took a bullet in the chest. You talk about presidents being treated badly, but he was another second-term president. And, uh, I mean, honest to goodness, this uh, self-pity, 
And uh, what did he have in mind? The $83.3 million that he's going to be raising money for 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 many, many uh, months, perhaps years to come? Oh, yes. And, and then there is this. This is uh, just... Just awful, actually. It's the uh, that statement by Corinne Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, uh, on MSNBC. She said this about the tragic deaths in Jordan of American military personnel. Listen. What I will say, our deepest, uh, obviously our deepest condolences uh, go out and our heartfelt condolences go out to the families uh, who lost uh, three, three brave, uh, three brave, uh, three brave, of three folks who are, who are military folks, who are brave, who are always fighting, who are fighting on behalf and of uh, this administration of the American people, obviously more so, more importantly, uh, we lost those souls. Okay, uh, who are fighting on behalf of this administration. And she could say, on behalf of this administration, I express my sorrow and my sympathy and what, whatever. But to make it sound like these are people who sacrificed their lives to defend one branch of government, the executive branch, an administration of one particular party, this is is not a a great thing to say. Uh, much much more appropriate comments made by four star general uh, Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of Defense. This is uh, was ahead of a meeting he was conducting with the outstanding head of NATO, Jen Stoltenberg. Uh, this is Secretary Austin. Let me start with my outrage and sorrow for the death of three brave U.S. troops in Jordan and for the other troops who were wounded. The President and I will not tolerate attack on U.S. forces and we will take all necessary actions to defend the U.S. and our troops. Now, at this important time, I'm glad to be back uh, at the Pentagon. I feel good and am recovering well, but still recovering. Uh, and I appreciate all the, the good wishes that I've received thus far. And uh, meanwhile, there is more uh, a uh, revelation that the UN, which is supposed to be promoting world peace and uh, being opposed to genocide, the UN had not just a handful of bad apples, as people might say, but the United Nations Relief and Welfare Organization, uh, which is was created basically to try to help Palestinian refugees and, and created some 70 years ago. Well, there's this revelation reported on MSNBC. Uh, which we will get to. Uh, there is um, a, a great deal of penetration of UNRWA, the United Nations Relief and Welfare Administration, uh, penetration by Hamas and by terrorists. Uh, we will be speaking coming up to a former Secretary of Defense of the United States, uh, uh, Mark Esper, 
uh, and Dr. Esper will be joining us, as will Juan Williams, about choices for vice president and, uh, and immigration reform. What happened there? 